Plenty of time for Stroud. Directing receivers, flips it to the end zone, caught, touchdown! Marvin Harrison Jr. making a huge impact. Milton taking a shot downfield, he's got a man open, and it's into the arms of Squirrel White. Nix, pump fake, takes off, out of the clear, Bo Nix, there he goes, he won't be caught, he's done it again! What's going on everybody, this is Chris K with the Burning the Red Shirt podcast, back again for a little mid-April football uh, discussion. This time I can say football because I think we're going to speak to the NFL draft here a little bit today. I have uh, Andrew with me. Who uh, I think it's leading the charge and the desire to talk NFL draft. So I will always talk NFL draft to a certain extent, right? So uh, yeah. Andrew, what's up, man? What's uh, why you itching for the draft? Well, part of uh, I feel like the mantra, generally speaking, with the in the CFF space, and that I personally look to embody is the idea that you shouldn't, you don't need to, you shouldn't feel like you ever need to ask permission to do anything. You don't need to appeal to authority. You don't need to do anything incrementally to prove yourself to do what you want to do in that space. You just go out and kind of take it and not saying that you shouldn't put in the the time and the effort to work to like, to actually prepare and not just spew garbage out there. But the, that, yeah, I feel like that's kind of where I stand on things. So even though I definitely respect a lot of, and consume so much in the way of uh, information through all sorts of mediums and uh, different individuals content that they're putting out there about the NFL draft. I'm happy to kind of, I've for, I mean, I really have nothing else to talk about at this point because I've been losing sleep and just grinding myself to dust, trying to make money off the NFL draft over the the past month. Um, So you you thought about running back the the quarterback discussion with CFF that it feels like we have every a couple of times a month in the offseason because there's nothing else to talk about. But I don't know. I've this is kind of just where I'm at from a headspace perspective right now. At, fortunately, I, we've only got eight days to go. It's the whole kind of catch 22 akin to the college football season where it's like, all right, like, let's go. Let's do this. And then once the season starts after a few weeks, it's like I haven't slept and since early, since mid-August, and I can't wait for the season to end so I can actually get my life back. That's where I'm at right now with NFL draft uh, content. So, so you're grinding actual prop bets, right? Like that's yeah, that's yeah, thing. yeah. You love doing I mean, that. I'm, you're like I'm, my buddy Amico. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's the the godfather of this of the space, right? Um, we all and this is I think my third year kind of doing it in, in some capacity. The first year. 20, I guess, what was it? It would be 2021. I basically just tailed him, uh, did nothing else, tailed him like one or two other people and netted out fine. Last year, I started, I definitely still tailed uh, him and a few other people, but started to mix in some of my own ideas. And this year, I'm like, there's there's not that much to tail. Like, there's a, in the sense that most people that are putting out plays out um, outside of what they're doing in uh in a podcast or some sort of thing where they're looking to drive engagement toward with purposeful intent outside of that there's not that much in the way of uh bets that you can tell that have any really any sort of uh 
but shelf life to them because of the, everything moves so quickly. Um, and I, I'm cheap, so I'm never going to pay for anything like uh, any sub, to subscribe to anyone uh, anyway. Uh, but yeah, I've been doing most of my own stuff, like just trying to consume information, process information, and act on that information. Um, and I don't know. It's in some ways it's very closely it's a, akin to college college fantasy in the sense that like it's so much information driven you listen to any nfl draft uh betting podcast the first thing you hear is how it's an information market and how it is how different it is than um like betting on a game or something something like that and it's so true but it's like like even even in comparison to cff which i I think one the reasons i love so much is it's so information driven you get in what you put out from a grinding perspective this is like going light speed versus like versus um, just kind of driving a car in terms of how the amount of time that you have to ingest that information, pro- process it and act on it. Um, so not exactly something that equates to good life balance, but do what you got to do to try and print, to print that, that, uh, that though. Yeah, this is a, I mean, if you want to talk about like, CFB lines and props and stuff during the season moving fast. Like these prop lines for draft stuff go crazy quick. And I, like, I, I don't have any issue with people not talking about what they're betting on Twitter until maybe after the fact, a decent bit, because like it just, the lines move so much. There's, then you get limited. It just becomes this crazy whirlwind of like, you lose all your edge, all your profit, you know? So I totally don't blame anybody for doing that. Um, It's almost like you have to, if you are seeing stuff online, you have to, let's say the odds were, 30 to one, you almost have to be cool with 22 to one. Like, and you know, because otherwise that's like the only thing you're going to get, you know, those things move so fast. Is there one in particular recently, uh, one bet maybe that you've made recently that's really jazzed you up. That's uh, kept you up at night for good reasons. The, so I definitely have like, have some positions that will make or break me on, on draft night. Um, I, I, I got greedy. I was all set with like number one draft stuff. Like I bought boxed my position on all four quarterbacks early on and had locked in profit. But then I went back and uh, reached my hands into the cookie jar for more Stroud and I got caught and I'm totally fucked. And now I, but I was quick to get ahead of his fall down the top 10. And I got a lot of long shot positions on him in the top 10. The only one that I don't have anything on right now is number four, which seems like that might be where he goes. But also if he falls outside the top 10, I'm totally fucked. Um, so that is that that could be um, a, a little sketchy on draft night. What do you, do you have a, a feel on what's going to happen with him? I, I feel like we're going to see some like some racist NFL show where the, like the like it's going to be like Justin Fields and he's going to end up like, going like 12 or 13. And I'm just going to get totally like I'm just going to lay money yeah. on fire. I. I feel like top 10 is like a near lock for yeah. Stroud because there are so many teams like, you know, I think the Lions have an opportunity to take a quarterback and sit him for a year or two, whatever, right? Like Goss not extended, you know, he's got two years total left. So, uh, and he's, I think he's got like only one year of what would be dead money, but I think there's enough teams out there that would think long-term and be down with it. Like the Falcons, the Lions, the Raiders, like all these teams either need it now or, would be cool with it and have the draft capital to just use a top 10 pick on like if a guy they if it's a guy they love you know like so i the think line, you're fine but, you would know. be so amazing like you imagine like it's just it feels like it's 
an incredible match. I, I like I'm so I'm so small time relative to most people in terms of what they're betting. Like I still. I do like when I take long shots, I'm literally just throwing a few bucks down. And I, I never, one of the problem, my problems for just gambling, generally speaking, is I'm a fucking pussy when it comes to like actually betting real unit size. Like I, you, a unit's supposed to be like a hundredth of your bankroll, but like that amount of money throwing that down on a single bed outside of when I'm tilting or just absolutely feeling like I'm ahead of the game, like just throwing a unit down on like something where I'm maybe 50, 55% confident or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I I'm cheap. I, and so I don't know. So it, that never, that's what, like, I feel like I haven't scaled up as quickly as I could have because of that. So I, but I'm literally like, literally when I'm taking long, I have so I have like 160 bets right now. Um, and I like, I, one of them is I have uh Stroud, t- at the number six pick, presumably the Lions for th- for three dollars at a hundred to one. You think that maybe I could have put that put ten dollars or twenty dollars on that? You'd be wrong because I'm... I yeah, three dollars is an interesting number. I don't know how you like. Did you say to yourself, you know, well, I, three dollars I, I can wait? But I was thinking about it through the lens of like what I could return more so than what I was wagering. Gotcha. Um, and I was like, well, I'm in the hole for like a little over a hundred uh, when I got caught uh, reaching into the cookie jar on Stroud. Uh, so you're to trying to like water. win it back. Like what's exactly. the number yeah. that would win yeah. it yeah. back? Yeah, I'm, I'm chasing. Exactly. But uh, um, what's the, based on, I, it sounds like you've spread your bets out, which makes a lot of sense to do with yeah. different players, right? Because there are so, like about a thousand different things that could happen. I think especially since people have zero feel for what Houston's going to do at number two. It's like someone was mentioning this morning, like, could you imagine if Houston just like lost the games they were supposed to like how easy, <laughs> like how easy the top 10 could have been. Yeah. Um, but I guess what's the, what is the cat's top 10? You don't, not, oh, it doesn't have to be the specific like ones, but give me the top 10 in terms of maybe there's six guys you really feel good about at one, two, four, seven, eight, nine, et cetera. Like which can ones are you really you, good about? Can we make it more selfish and make it based on what would drive profit for me? Well, I would imagine that you're aligning those two, right? No. So this is one of the things. <laughs> so we've been, we, we, the, us degenerates have been putting bets down on the NFL draft since January. So if, there's so many information, 180, so many th- sizing changes that when you opened a position in January, that doesn't necessarily reflect at all, like what the landscape looks like presently, or even a week ago, things changed so much and he, they will continue to do so. So many of my bets also are just like arbing in and out. And like, I take like the building a portfolio approach of like minimizing risk uh, largely and trying to like box positions and stuff like that. Um, but, so, but the, uh, yeah, the, at let's, this point, like, let's do the no. selfish top 10 for selfish and, top I'll, 10. and I'll tell you why you'll be eating uh, ice water okay. soup next week. I mean, Stroud going one would be nice. I don't need it though. Um, if Bryce goes one, I'd be in a good place with either I'd be fine with Stroud going to, but also I have uh, Tyree Wilson and Levis paired with Bryce going number one as long shots. So one of either of those three would be fine with me. Um, Will Anderson going to is not optimal. Neither is Anthony Richardson. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting. No. Yeah. I guess that kind of covered covers the board. So, that's how I feel about that. I guess well, well, the thing is, Will Anderson has to go somewhere, and I have like nothing on him at this point. I like I I got in at some points on, on different things with him, but I ended up just arbing out. 
It feels like Anderson's going to go third to Arizona. Well, two yeah. to Houston if they say, screw it, we don't want to do quarterback, we'll wait at 12 or you know do something like that. I think the most realistic is they go three or uh, six. I think yeah, they go I- to either Arizona or maybe – you would you almost kind of want that trade up, someone trading up to three to get the quarterback to push him down, which I think I is would a like good thing to go three. I think because I, there's things that I like I want to have happen late a little later on, and I don't want him ruining those situations. So let's just put him at three, and then I have a decent position. This is one of my favorite things to do, where there's like a discrepancy between you know those draft position bets. So you're not super familiar with this shit because you live in Georgia and you can't actually bet on draft, so you don't. Know I mean, what- I follow enough stuff to understand like what you're talking about. Okay. So you can I'm bet the over unders and there's discrepancies sometimes on different books. And basically I created, and it looked, it looked a little better when I was doing it. Um, but I've created the equivalent of like an eight to one on Anthony Richardson to go forth by taking him over plus over the 3.5 on one book and under 4.5 on another at like minimal juice and created my own. Uh, you made a my, window. You created a window. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So him going forth, which doesn't seem over like likely now, uh, just based on like the Colts owning that pick and them uh, supposedly loving Levis and shit. But well, you who, know they who, ha- who knows what happens. They've never drafted a black quarterback. <laughs> Is that true? That's that's dead true. Yeah, but I mean, it's, they they hired the Hurts like, for though. They they love uh like a a really like a three year white Big Ten starter in the sixth round. Right. Right. You know? They went to Wisconsin. It's 50-50 that they're going to get taken in the sixth round line. But, yeah, so I don't know. I think there's a shot AR goes for. Yeah. I mean, it's not like – I don't think it's super likely. I think everybody just presumes that uh, that Levis is the guy. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't think it's out of this world to think that AR uh, doesn't yeah. go for. We could see trading between, like, two, three, four, and teams down the draft board, too. So and you like, have him at four, not the Colts taking him, correct? What's that? So you you have them at four, not at the four. Colts. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there is that outside chance at a. Right. I think we could see a lot of trades. I mean, if the Colts are in a pretty good position, if they like to, if they like Levis and Richardson, they could move back a guy or two. You know, definitely. Um. Yeah, I so uh, some of the content that I'm consuming right is like people expressly creating like written material and podcasts talking about the NFL draft. Um, like all the established to run podcasts are amazing. Like, the, dude, they had Lance Zerline on yesterday. Did you listen to this? And uh, Evan and Evan Sylvan, Adam Laventon are just grilling him about draft betting stuff, but trying to kind of phrase it in ways that are like not at so direct that it's like, tell us all your gambling secrets type shit. But it, it, that was awesome. Um, every time they put something out, I immediately listen to it. The, the four for four one move the line is, is great. Some of them, feel like real homework though like those two are both actually enjoyable but then you listen to like the fucking athletic football uh podcast with um dane brugler or like daniel jeremiah's podcast and it's like all right this is you're talking about like scouting shit that i couldn't care less about it's like shut the fuck up and tell me where these guys are gonna go um but you still got to do that um but um and then there's like there's uh like be, team B writers and stuff that kind of go above and beyond to actually think about draft related stuff. And the, the one Seahawks guy seems really uh, awesome. Rob Stratton, like he puts out mocks and thinks really like theoretically and kind of uh, conceptually about stuff. And so I don't have that much to say about and down on like the Seahawks and what they're going to do at five outside of like that guy is, 
super into the idea that they're not taking Jalen Carter under any scenario. And his, his argument is so compelling and convincing that I'm like, I, the way I've gone involved with that pick is kind of just assuming that he's right and Jalen Carter will fall down. So I have positions on Carter to go to the bears and the Eagles and to go nine and 10 based on the idea that, okay, that for a while, at least Jalen Carter was very commonly mocked to go to the Seahawks, but I'm uh, for better. It might totally fuck me. Um, like the Jets B writer was totally convinced last year that they weren't taking sauce and I fell for that shit. Um, so, but I don't know. I, I'll buy into this. Um, I would love to see Will Levis fall. Uh, if he's not going to, um, we can slam at five and get him out of the way though, just so he doesn't fuck up anything else. Um, what do you think about your lines at six? Well, I think we have like no young, like no cornerbacks under uh, contract after this next year. So I think cornerbacks, the most, I think if Will Anderson falls to him, that's that enough. Yeah. They might run to the podium. But then I think it's like, I think it's Witherspoon or Gonzalez. And then, you know, if AR is there, then I could consider it really just depends on like how much they, Holmes loves, and so does Campbell, loves golf, but like, it's at a certain point he's going to just make a ton of money and you know, they yeah. won't have Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator. So it's like, all right, so what is our direction after Johnson leaves? So I don't know. I, I would put all my money on, on defensive line, like Anderson. I don't think we go Carter. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, he just, I mean, if he was not necessarily what people are saying he is, then he would be a surefire lock. Isn't right? it the same thing as with last year, how there was a debate if, of if the Lions were going to go Hutchinson or Thibodeau. And it was like, Thibodeau just doesn't fit with the, the I culture. think people created these like culture issues with Thibodeau that probably weren't, um, weren't all that true. Like the guy is outspoken and he says stuff like he's yeah. coming on Twitter and said dumb stuff. But like, yeah. I mean, if we all had a opinion and voice that loud, like it's not, wouldn't be the craziest thing. He hasn't done anything super stupid, but yeah. Um, I think Aiden was just such a lock. You know, their reaction when they got Aiden was about as good as it gets. Yeah, it just was fair. with him being Michigan based, it made way too much sense. But yeah, I mean, I think Carter would be a great fit if the if they aren't afraid of the off field stuff. They've talked to him apparently a bunch and and I think there's like um you know, there's a quote out there from Campbell that basically says like we talked to one of his teammates and learned a lot. But they didn't really say what he learned, obviously, right? So like and I think the everybody are trying to put everybody's trying to put all this stuff together. And it's like, well, they talked to Nolan Smith that was at the, the pass rusher. Right. Yeah. And Nolan Smith, if you've ever heard him talk, he's a great listen. The guy is a great interview. He's, it seems like a really good guy, good kid. Uh, so it's just kind of funny. Like I would imagine he's not going to say anything bad about Carter. So I don't know. I think ultimately we go Anderson immediately if he's there. And then otherwise we just go cornerback long story. Gotcha. short. Good, funny you brought up Nolan Smith. So, I my bit the position that it won't like. I don't. I don't know if I want to get more involved. I'm all. I'm all. It's probably already my biggest position is Nolan Smith going in the top ten. I pre, I'm convinced, but I'm like blinded by being an Uga obsessed fan as well. Uh, but I am pretty convinced he's going top ten. Like I. Hearing the Seahawks guy talk about what they're looking for and what worked for them last time, like D-line is one of the things that they need, right? And the Seahawks guy was talking about how they basically did a seismic shift in 
taking character risks. And then last year went like high character and it just worked out amazingly. And the first thing you hear about Nolan Smith out, you hear lots of things. Number one overall recruit, insane combine, uh, right? Production kind of explained by the realities associated with uh, just Georgia playing a zillion different guys because they have all the talent in the world. Um, and then just like another coach in the room and absurdly amazing character. I want, I, I keep looking all over the place for um, Nolan Smith to go number five. You can get him top five uh, to go to, at 25 to one. Um, but I think seven, eight, 10, all that stuff's possible. Um, I have a little bit on him to go eight and he's like co-favor with uh, Bijan right now. I, I think, you know, I haven't penciled in at seven for like the selfish mock because Christian Gonzalez, I have going eight because I created um, the same thing I did with AR with him where I, I kind of, I arbed out, but I kind of created like a free. Um, essentially like a free roll. You're going to yeah, automatically. I'm, yeah. I'm free rolling a couple even. units yeah. on, on him to go number eight, basically. I think, so, I think uh, Nolan Smith at eight to the Falcons makes a ton of sense. The Falcons dude, like as bad as I think, like, they're not a good team, in my opinion, and I hear so much about them because of my friends. But like, yeah, they don't have a ton of like immediate, immediate needs. Like even Bijan is not really an immediate need. That's more of just like a great talent mixed with. You, you can't hurt to have a guy that's better than Algier in the room. But Algier's like was very solid for them, so it's not like they have to do go running back. But yeah, I think corner uh, makes sense to the Falcons. But I think Smith has really picked up steam. There. Yeah, and I we, I didn't even mention the local uh, the local ties as well. Um, like I feel it's not a direct conflict between uh, like draft people. I think in terms of is it Bijan is 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 Nolan, but it's like two schools of thought. A lot of people are thinking that Bijan could go to the Falcons and like sure, but I I saw one data point that the Falcons GM has like never drafted an early running back ever. Like when he was with the Saints or whatever, uh, like he drafted Kamara. And that in like I like pick sixty seven, and that's the earliest he's ever taken a running back. Um, so yeah, Arthur Smith might be a big babe, Stone Age baby, and like to run the ball and shit, right? But like that doesn't mean he's getting Bijan. Yeah, there is that thought that like uh, Arthur Smith, the coach, right? Um, Arthur yeah. Blank's the owner. Uh, Smith, you know that maybe he pushes the need and want for a running back because of Derrick Henry. But who knows? I mean, Derrick Henry is just, is not really someone that's comparable to anybody ever in the NFL draft. So. Yeah. Um, and then nine and 10, I would like to see Jalen go either nine or 10, both seem to seem super possible just based on kind of how he's fallen, but probably not falling too far. Um, and you got to put Tyree Wilson somewhere, presumably. Right. So we can put him in the other spot and that, that would, that, that would work very nicely for me from a top 10 perspective. Uh, do you, what are the chances of that actually happening? <laughs> like um, 5%. I yeah, mean, probably not. Not even 1% probably, but that's just, I think that's just how the draft goes. Yeah. Uh, from a Jets perspective, because you are a Jets fan, what do you, what, what pick do they have? I, what is it like? 13. What do you want them to do? So first of all, what I want them to do is to continue to play hardball with the Packers on the Aaron Rodgers stuff, presuming that let's just presume there's no turning back. There's no backing out. It's getting done at some point. I don't care if, well, Let's not frame it that way. It wouldn't matter. Like, I wouldn't care if it falls through. There's a school of thought that Packers fans have created that Jets fans will be upset if the deal falls through. And as a result, the GM can't 
Like he can't go walk he has back to, to do the a deal at some point. I don't I don't yeah. care. We do we we suck. We're the Jets. Like big deal. Like I'd rather just kind of figure things out and take a Bayesian approach uh with respect to things going forward than pay than unnecessarily pay the Packers. So if it's me, I'm saying take a six round pick or leave it. Uh from the perspective of the Packers can't keep him on their roster. Like the financial aid just doesn't work. They can't like, if you, I haven't looked into it as much as some people, but my understanding is basically they just, like they just can't pay. 40 they can't million pay him. Plus. Yeah. It's like yeah. a $60 million cap. hit. they can't fucking do it. It's a, so it, it's a fucking ticking time bomb. Um, so that's, th- that's number one for me. Don't give up anything for Rogers. Um, they should probably be paying us to take him if we're being serious. Um, number two, I mean, the, you look at the market for like their first pick, the ideas, or they're like minus 250 or maybe even a bigger favorite to take a tackle. I'm always cool with doing stuff on the offensive line. Like you, I subscribe to that thought. You can never have too many offensive linemen that are good. So I'm fine with it. It seems like there's three to four to five that are maybe not elite, but really strong. So I'm not going to pretend I know anything about who's good and who's not. Broderick Jones, get, uh, Ugga Man, gets ma- mocked there all the time. So that sounds good to me. Yeah, there's a couple. The My my absolute favorite tackle, the Tennessee guy, Darnell Wright, who is actually uh, – I, I think people like him in consideration for like the 18th pick for the Lions. I will always be a fan favorite of his after he DM'd the guy and called him a dick eater and then apologized <laughs> by saying maybe I was a little too heavy on the dick eater. You know, <laughs> just a classic apology. So he's got a fan for life here. That's great. I um, know that. You know, I, it's funny in my group of my circle of friends that text about this type of stuff all day, every day, you know, we're all fans of like not going running back anywhere early, but I do think Bijan to kind of rope this into what people actually care about on this, that listen to this podcast, uh, skill players in college. Um, I think Bijan at 18 would make a ton of sense for the Lions. You know, when you have two picks, you can go maybe more directly with what a, a need is for a team that should be a contender to win the division, let's say. Um, but, like, when you have the second pick, you can kind of utilize that for for something like kind of like a fun pick. Because I think DeAndre Swift is he's going to be gone after this year. Yeah. And then, then you do go back to, like, the two running back system of, like, Montgomery and, and uh, Bijan. But speaking of Swift, we're, we're – we're treading in weird water right now, but DeAndre Swift was your guy, a Georgia guy, right? Was supposed to be a stud. I love him. He just seems to never be, never be healthy, never uh, know how to hit a hole. Uh, are you a fan of him? Like, do you think like from an NFL? You play fantasy NFL. You do keeper dynasty stuff. Like, what, what's your what's your uh, outlook on Swift? Because he's going to be gone after Detroit after this year, which should be a good thing for him. Dude, this is the same. It's the same. It's been the same story with him since he was at Aga. Like, and d- dumb injuries and like never. You see the flashes. He's got amazing moves. He's always had that fucking sick uh, stanky leg move. He's got electric electric speed, but it's never going to happen from game one to game seventeen. It's always going to be dumb shit popping up. Um, Admittedly, like that was my outlook on him coming out of college and into the pros. And I, I did fade him in uh, Dynasty. 
where I just lay money on fire in NFL Dynasty, but it's fun and it's not that much money. So it's like a good offseason thing more than anything else. Uh, but I've fallen for the trap that is DeAndre Swift, unfortunately, a couple of times since in NFL season long. But it's it's just never going to happen. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it all clicks one year, but like this is who he is. This is what, who he's always been at, at going back to Uga and his entire uh, career in the NFL. If you had to pick one of the four quarterbacks, which one would you, which one, one of the top four, or I guess five, if you want to throw a hooker in there, which one do you think is like the best, most likely to be successful? Uh, I feel, so my brain has been broken by the whole like NFL draft process. I feel like I, I was totally clairvoyant throughout the pro- progression of the CFP season, right? From the, perspective of just like thinking about things through the lens of cfb but now like the, i'm just the like the mass media of N- the nfl nfl draft machine has has corrupted has just broken my brain in, in so many so many ways um i totally out on levis i think i'm out on richardson too and so my initial take on Stroud. I feel like when I watched him for a while and you still see it pop up sometimes, but it's like the people who say it are such douchebags that I feel bad aligning myself with them. But he like, he throws the ball like Mason Rudolph where he does that, that palm thing. And it's like, how's that shit actually going to work um, in, in the NFL? So I, I don't know. I think, I think I'm probably out on him as well. Um, it's, is it weird to say that I felt better about Bryce this past season in terms of his performance than he did than I did the previous one at Alabama? I felt like the previous season, when they lost, he let the team down. And this past year, it felt like they were winning solely because of him. Um, yeah, those weapons around him this past year were – they were supposed to be awesome, right? Between, yeah. like, uh, Burton and Brooks and JoJo Earl, like, all these guys that were supposed to I, be – just fill right in, you know, and uh, they didn't. I mean, that Kansas State game, I was thinking about it. I was talking to somebody this morning about it. That Kansas State game was, like, incredible. That bowl game, I mean, he was just lighting up Kansas State's defense, which was very solid, with, like, 30 to 60-yard bombs the entire yeah. time. Every single time – Albeit, you know, Brooks and Burton were open a bunch, but like, I mean, he put I've it on a me- nine. I've made a mental note to myself from a go- for a going forward perspective relative to that game to from like a prop betting perspective and maybe other angles as well that no one from Alabama opted out of that game. And while like so many lines are set at the get- at the team, at the player level going into bowl season, uh, with ambiguity about who's going to play and who's not, I think that we should go into Alabama games, assuming they're not in the playoff or rarity, that, that we should go into their bowl games as long as Saban's there, assuming that everyone's going to play and bet accordingly. I'm sure there's someone out there that could tell us who exactly has opted out, but it does feel like in the past for Alabama, but it does feel yeah. like they more often than not. You it's know, crazy that no one opted out. Although Will Anderson like barely played. Like he, he played, but he like I think if you were to go back, I think you would see that he 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 played like only on like pass rushing downs or something, right? Like really? so but I was I was fooled. I thought for sure that 
Fields, I'm sorry, Young would uh, not play a full game. Gibbs too. Gibbs too. I was like, I mean, Gibbs rated as like this insane play, even with me projecting him at like limited usage. And I was like, nope, I'm not getting, I'm not getting Tylen Waller. <laughs> I'm not getting yeah. Tylen. So that turned into a mess, but uh, a salvage. But yeah, I mean, that was such an impressive performance. And I, maybe Saban is just like a master uh, motivator and getting people to stay and just, maybe them understanding how like that game, I mean, like, was there a, was there a take pre that game? And then obviously post that game of who was going to go one in terms of quarterback. I mean, cause Stroud played and he was incredible too in his bowl game. Bryce was a pretty big favorite for most of draft season until the Panthers acquired the number one pick. And then it flipped to Stroud with the idea that some dot connecting of Frank Reich is coach. He only coaches tall guys. Um, some stuff that in hindsight looks perhaps we were a little too conspiratorial about. Um, but yeah, and that Stroud was the favorite for up until about 10 days ago. Um, and then it flipped to Bryce. And it's, there's been like some, it's only continued to get to the point now where Bryce is like a 95% favorite. Um I, I'm not adding any more more Shroud, Shroud at number one, but I don't think um, because I'm cheap and risk averse. Uh, but I'm not totally bought in that it's 100% Bryce yet, uh, just based on like what it, like I, either like it's so much of the shit about that has led to the idea that it's definitively Bryce. It's just conjecturing as opposed to so so one of two things has either happened right. Either information was leaked to was leaked and has it been leaked to the point where we actually know definitively that it was leaked, or it's just people in the in the media are creating snowballs of ideas, right? And it's just compounding. Um, but getting back to your original question, I would go Bryce. Um, I think that. Uh, amongst the four quarterbacks, yeah, I think I would go Bryce too. And then I think I think it's funny. I, any college fan is pretty much guaranteed to say like I'm out on lettuce. Yeah, the the upside doesn't warrant the amount of risk you take. I think for him, whereas like with Richardson, like I don't think I was telling an old buddy this the other day. Like I don't think Richardson ends up being good, but like his upside is so incredible. And like the chance to get there is better than Levis that I, I can understand why teams do it. I was telling a couple of um, DFS buddies, like dude, Richardson's 75 to one to go first. Like you should take that. Like, why not just throw something on that? This was back in like December, maybe. Yeah. And they just laughed at me. And I'm like, no dude, like the NFL draft is crazy. Like people will just do stuff based on what somebody (laughs) looks like in spandex. I'm telling you, like, he yeah. is going to go first round 100, you know, and then like and this bet was for first overall. So like, I mean, that's, it's kind of like a weird situation where like, I feel like I was right because he's going to go maybe top six or 10, but no, you know, so I, I wouldn't have won any money. <laughs> so yeah. uh, any final, any final draft takes, any thoughts? No, that, I'm motivating that... you because otherwise we have to talk about quarterbacks in college. Uh, that, that, uh, I think that exhausts, uh, I, it got out 
I, I need to talk some drafts from like a first party perspective instead of just hearing and consuming so much that this scratch that itch for, for me. Perfect. So something you did in the, the most recent champion series best ball draft is draft Dante Moore, the quarterback from UCLA, the freshman who I think pretty much anybody that's like watched a ton of high school stuff and like does that whole freshman stuff believes Dante Moore is going to be awesome in that like almost same realm of Nico and uh, Arch Manning. But do you think, I mean, do you think he wins the job then? I mean, you took him not early, but in the 22nd or 23rd round, like, what was your thought process behind taking him? And Schley, I don't think, was taken, nor was Ian yeah. Barbers. I need to do more research, but a couple articles. I was I, I was trying to dig up some stuff to find out exactly how bad it's going for Schley. And I, it seems to be at, at the point, just based on the couple of articles I was looking at, like his name's not even getting mentioned anymore <laughs> like, amongst the quarterbacks. Like the one thing I saw was Ethan Garbers. That's his name, right? There's so many fucking people yeah. in that quarterback room, but Garbers was taking snap like number one snaps, which makes sense, right? Uh, incumbent, et cetera, et cetera. And then I think it was Moore and Justin Martin splitting with the twos, and there was no there was no mention of Schley. <laughs> well, I was like, well, if it's Moore against Martin, I'll take Moore, and I don't believe in Garbers. Um, so, so maybe not on day one, but. Like I feel like that job is more sooner than later. With the if we're just thinking about things through that lens, how do you think it plays out? Um, I think it plays out one of two ways. Nobody is worth picking, or Colin Schley is awesome, like top thirty-five quarterback. Like I just don't yeah. see a world where Dante Moore comes in in any way and is valuable his true freshman year. Like there's just too many things. You know, there's a lot of people that do like the whole G5 to P5 and you can like yeah. talk about the struggles. This kid is a high schooler in like true freshman year. I just can't expect him to do anything. So in my head, I'm saying Schley wins the job and it's valuable. Garber wins the job. It could be valuable, but it's not likely. Or Dante Moore wins the job and UCLA wins six games. You know, so, like, and I don't want any of those guys because he's just not great. I, I'm help, help me workshop this take and tell tell me if it's a, I'm, I don't know. I doubt I'll be able to articulate it in any sort of meaningful way, but I think the, no, the idea of fading true freshman quarterbacks at the macro makes a ton of sense. It's just like when you're trying to think about overarching strategy across the entire player pool um, and just think about how you want to shape your, your team or your teams, your portfolio teams, et cetera. It's a sound strategy. And it's one that I advocate for as well. But the idea of when I'm now trying to dissect an individual room and, and, uh, and uh, just a cluster of players and trying to apply that to this very micro, micro individualized instance the idea of applying a macro trend to that micro level blanketly without giving consideration to the individual variables that are out pl at play here and how that, how I think they're likely to play out. I feel like those two things are at odds with one another. And I don't like the idea of just making, making decisions about one particular um, instance based on an overarching generalized trend. Yeah. 
I mean, I see where you're coming from, but my, in my yeah. the counterpoint would be like we're we're all kind of playing percentages based on a lot of the, these different things, right? Like, what are the what's the likelihood of the X happening? And I mean, I don't I can't even tell you the last time a true freshman in the P5 conference was successful, right? Like, can you? Rosen. Let me look up just Josh Rosen's stats that first year and let's see. I mean, he was actually UCLA as well. So this will be interesting. Dude, yeah. I mean, Jim Mora was the coach uh, and there's been a couple since then, I feel like. Uh, but yeah, that first game against Virginia on Labor Day weekend was incredible. Um, and I, I feel like he dealt with injuries, but. and um, I mean, he it's hard to say. I mean, he was yeah. pretty good for a freshman. But he doesn't have any rushing stuff. So it's a hard comparison, right? Because Dante yeah. Moore has rushing upside but he threw for 3623 touchdowns uh and it looks like he played the full game the full season essentially so i mean is it possible yeah but I mean, at that point then you you would have to be thinking that dante moore is that kind of like next level like a guy you would really consider is going to be like a like a really solid nfl draft potential superstar right like if, yeah. if, if you think he's going to defy the odds like that in a real conference, then if you're doing anything NFL based, you should also invest stock there as well. You know, I love Colin Schley. I just I'm sketched out by the way that this is playing out. I wonder if he transfers again. It. I wonder if it's possible. He's He's like fairly old, like he's he's been in college a while. I will tell you something that's going to make you feel better about Colin Schley. Do you know who his roommate is? Oh, uh, is it Carson Steele? It's Carson Steele. That's a good well, omen, right? That's a good I'm, But I'm on the TJ Harden bandwagon. At, uh, Dude, TJ Harden's not going to do anything. <laughs> Dude, all... me, me, and your boy, me and your boy Clint are uh, two peas in a pod. We're both uh, on, on Harden. Yeah. He's like pretty... He's pretty versatile, or am I thinking somebody else on UCLA's roster? I like, mean, we yeah, kind of, no, are you thinking of that dude, Casimir Allen? Who, I think uh, I am. I think yeah, he's no longer there. Um, I think Harding could get it done. Uh, I You're get it. You're telling me that a, a Ball State transfer can't be <laughs> successful in uh, in the Pac-12? Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad bet, right? Uh, just from a. Uh, like when you're getting into those 20 rounds, even though like we pushed hard enough now by just competing with one another to get them. Uh, but the, yeah, it's a Chip Kelly offense. It's going to be fun. We're just all just trying to identify who's the QB and the RB and the WR one. Yeah. Do you have a gut feeling on who the receiver one is at UCLA? I was going to, I would say it's got to be uh Zach's boy, Sertivan, right? But Kyle Ford is there as well. I kind of like Kyle Ford as like a, a late, late option. There's a bunch of receivers that I realize have not been taking, taken uh, in the first three drafts that I thought were super intriguing. I want to hear your thoughts here in a second. But, yeah, I think Sturdivant's the, probably the favorite. But, like, Kyle Ford at, like, a super cheap rate, like, he's a big dude. Obviously talented. He went to U uh, USC, so he's got some stars behind him. So, you never know. It all it takes is like one random, like good chemistry, and all of a sudden, you know, yeah, they throw it to him a lot. That receiver one is very, uh, is very profitable. Receiver two, not so much, unless there's just like no clear cut guy. Um, so receivers that have been not drafted so far, 
If I told you that Kobe Hudson and Javon Baker were not drafted in any of the first three drafts for the Champion Series, would that surprise you? So I've looked at both of them at various parts of the offseason because my memory from playing so much DFS this past year is that they were blowing up all over the place. And I think, like, after looking back at the stat lines, I think what actually happened was between Hudson, Baker, and O'Keefe, like, one of them would blow up every game guaranteed. It wouldn't, like, so JRP would have just make one receiver absolutely eat across the, like their 12 or 13 games, but each of them, it was only like three or four games. Uh, right. So then you look at the composite stats and it's like, all right, eight, 800, 900 yards, mm-hmm. six touchdowns. So that, that's made me kind of take a step back and just question it from a, uh, like, do I want to invest in this? Regardless compared to some of the receivers I'm taking, I've taken they're like, I, maybe I should be leaning toward them as like, okay, they're going to get theirs. It may not be incredible from a ceiling perspective, but why receiver seven, eight, nine, why not? Yeah, I'm, I, I think that's a very accurate take because what's really interesting. Look at them looking at the three, those three top guys, they went 640 yards to 800 yards and they combined for 17 touchdowns, pretty much spread out. Hudson yeah. had so Kobe Hudson didn't do anything the first two games. I can't remember if he was hurt or suspended or whatever. Was, yeah. And he did nothing and he still ended with essentially 40 catches for 600 yards and seven touchdowns. So he's the guy I'm going to start targeting and I took in this last draft. Um but I think ultimately I'm going to take one of them every draft. I mean, in the 28th round, why wouldn't you? Is my thought. Like if I can get five or six good weeks out of them. Yeah. And and even with JRP out, they still had some production. So it's not like they're super tied to JRP. Like Curtis Rourke at Ohio, like Sam Wigless, his production's completely tied to, to yeah. Rourke's health. So I don't have to worry about that. And I say that because JRP is inevitably going to get hurt at least four times next season. So there is a connection where you, you got to think about something like that. But I think I'll ultimately take one in every draft because – I mean, even with like a three-headed monster in a sense of that, how they spread out usage, both all three of them had some pretty productive games, at least four to six of them last season. Nugget from watching their bowl game where they played like trash against Duke was that they were stoked about Xavier Townsend to replace I like him. Yeah, to replace O'Keefe. And I, I went into the start of our best ball drafts thinking about how I wanted to target him. And kind of just watched how it's played out. He hasn't gotten taken at all. And then I'm thinking about him like, how can I justify taking this dude who seems like he's kind of running with the twos and the ones? How can I take him over Hudson or Baker? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So I just haven't pulled the trigger yet because it's like, I don't, I don't know how it I is, justify that. It is hard to justify taking him over the other two. Yeah. But, um, but they like, definitely, that offense loves that O'Keefe town. And Townsend yeah. to me is was after that game, I was like, he's hundred percent the guy they're going to like, like yeah. that was their full intention is to do the whole O'Keefe thing. Like yeah. looking at his stats real quick, he had seven catches for 25 yards and then <laughs> two carries for nine yards. So like, yeah, it was very intent. on like what his purpose was on the field. So now I have another good receiver that I think has very uh, high upside. Um, and, 
Dana Dana Holgerson has made some very vague comments recently about about that room that makes me feel pretty good about him. Sam Brown. Yeah. The Houston one, not the Rutgers one. For right. I, I've gotten the Rutgers one at least once. Um, and that, uh, that like being Jersey, I, I enjoy that. Right. I think, I think he's, he's, he could be fun though. If he's back to full health, it took forever. So not answering your question whatsoever, but it took forever to track down what the actual injury was with Sam Brown, the Rutgers guy. And it was a foot injury because I was like, they ruled him out in mid-October. We never saw him again. I'm like, are we dealing with like a like knee ligament type recovery thing where it's going to get sketchy? But And like foot injuries can be sketchy too, but I feel like that's that's a better outcome. And so I felt good drafting him in like the last round of one of our uh, recent drafts because they were giving him, they were dead set on giving him like 20, 25 carries. He's a true freshman the back half of the year. Uh, but anyway, getting back to your, your dude, uh, the Houston guy. Yeah, hearing Holgerson's comments made me feel better about not being able to get Golden in any drafts, not because I wasn't necessarily trying, but just he was going so early and I was doing other things. Um, they have other cool receivers, too. They got the dude from... Don't say it. Don't say it. There's nothing cool about a Wyoming receiver transfer. <laughs> I was going to say, didn't they get the Oklahoma State kid, uh, Stephon Johnson? Yes, they did get I, Stephon Johnson, yes. Yeah, I like him. I think, he, but I mean, I, I'm always a, a fan of all things Gundy uh, or most yeah. things Gundy. So there's bias there. Um, and they, they have other dudes. Joshua Cobbs Matt. was the Wyoming transfer who was like productive for a Wyoming yeah. receiver for sure. Your boy, man, Jack is back. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is he back? I, I think, think he, he got kicked off the team or something. <laughs> uh. Yeah, he fought a team. He fought Sam Brown, is who he fought on the sideline. I forgot about that. Yeah, he fought Sam Brown in <laughs> September. Um, what what a transition! Uh, so my thoughts on Sam Brown are, and I forgot necessarily a little bit about this uh, Stefan Johnson, of course, but Sam Brown was really good in seven games. He had like forty catches and four hundred fifty yards, like four touchdowns. Uh, the the comments essentially from Dana, and I could be doing this disgust uh injustice so correct me if i'm wrong but essentially it was like matthew golden looks great we don't have a like we don't have a number one yet but we have a lot of receivers that look awesome right now essentially right like he didn't he acknowledged that golden looked very good but he didn't proclaim anyone to be a number one that's how i took it correct yeah that sounds about right um the Houston Chronicle is one of those newspapers where you can hit the you can hit the X button before the paywall pops up. Uh, so you can always get your Houston takes from that dude uh, Joseph Duarte if you're quick enough on the on the on the paywall. The yeah. Um, are, have you gotten any Donovan Smith yet? I have. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, have, I haven't had the pleasure. I'm always drafting QBs there, but I always forget to get them. I like a lot of those guys. So I've got therapy. There's just like this mix of dual threat, awesome quarterbacks that always go between rounds like seven and 10. It's like Finn, JRP, Hornsby at the, the front end of it. Um, Riley Leonard is in there. Uh, Donovan Smith. Like there's like five to eight of those guys that are yeah. just incredible possible options. KJ Jefferson's in that group. So. Yeah, I wanted to get uh, Riley Leonard, but it just didn't happen. Like it, 
he, he goes pretty early in our drafts and understandably like he's cool and they like the, like they they use him like he gets so many touches right he's like he, he'll run the ball like 10 15 times and then throw it like 40 like he's like yeah and then okay then there's scraps for the three running backs in their system i ended up with two um duke receivers in this draft which feels stupid um, but I got, does, I have to, that doesn't feel great. I'm going to tell you that straight dude, up. How is, how is Calhoun back for another year? I don't know, man. But you took Samar Hagen as the other one? No, I took Jordan Moore. Jordan Moore. Well, he's kind of like a mix of everything, right? Like, doesn't he play like every position? So or is that a different I, guy? I'm, still, I'm still a little confused about it. But there's two Jay Moores. The one is a running back. And I think that's Jacquez. And then Jordan Moore is the one that lost the QB competition to Riley Leonard. And I think they, I think what they initially did, they were like, you're talented, like, please don't transfer. We'll just, we'll put you on the field and do cool shit. And they did that for a while. And then they were like, oh, wait a minute, you can actually like play receiver. Let's start getting you some targets. And then to like the third to last game of the season, he got 20 targets. And the second to last season, he got 13 targets and had huge games both times. Um, so I'm hopeful. I mean, it, my my school thought that like really I'm just retconning right now because it wasn't like planned out in any way, shape, or form. But the idea is if like they throw the they run a lot of plays, they throw the ball a lot. If they're gonna throw 45 times, hope those two guys are their best receivers. Between them, they combine for 20 targets a week, and hopefully one of them shows out, uh, kind of like the the UCF uh, receivers, right? Mm-hmm. With more target volume because JRP is not throwing in more than 15. Yeah, my my problem is I it's just I mean, dude, if you're gonna take the two guys, you have to take Riley Leonard, right? Like if you're gonna double, if you're gonna double stack them, you gotta you gotta take the quarterback. I stacked Bo Nix with um Troy Franklin, and that was just more of a matter of like it was like a tiebreaker. There's a couple guys I was looking at, and ultimately I was like, Well, I took Bo Nix, like I might as well just take Franklin. So I'm trying yeah. to diversify a little every draft. Like that way I don't go to like the final two drafts and just diversify every single pick, you know, yeah. like you've done 10 picks and you're like 10 drafts. And you're like, man, I got Jane Daniels and nine of them. Like I need to take somebody else. Do so, you have a player that through our first four drafts you've drafted in every draft? I think I have two Jaden Daniels and Nussmeyer. I have <laughs> a, I have a sure proof plan. It is draft Jaden Daniels. I took him in the 15th round. Like, that's blasphemy. If he was, like, the 100% starter, yeah, he would be QB 7 or 8 overall, in my opinion. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm taking Daniels, and then I take Nussmeyer in, like, the second to last round. Because my right. thought is, worst, absolute worst case scenario, I have a QB 1, you know, a top 15 quarterback, top 12 quarterback, every single week. Because... If Daniels gets hurt, then Nussmeyer can just fill right in. Absolute worst case scenario. Absolute best case scenario is Nussmeyer transfers to Auburn or to somewhere cool because he lost the job. And now I have two, I, I have a QB1 and I have a probably a QB2 at the worst, unless he transfers to like somewhere stupid, um, like UNLV or something. So, yeah. That's my train of thought. I have those guys everywhere. What about you? Do you have a guy that you've had in all of them? Two, I think. Um, I've like I, I keep like a color coded uh, Google sh- 
like a sheet in my like master fantasy spreadsheet that color coded by the different uh, positions and column for each team. Uh, and then I try and pivot and like create ownership stuff at the end of the draft season. Cause I'm a nerd. Um, but, and, but it's incomplete. It's very incomplete right now. Like basically when I'm like either like uh, really got to be really bored, I'll be like going and populate it with like, Oh, I'm really happy. I got that guy in that draft. Let me put his name in on team four right now. Um, but so it's incomplete, but I think the two that I might have them on all four, are Shader Sanders Beyonce uh, kid at Colorado? I don't understand why. He, why does he go so late in our in our drafts? Like I can I can I've gotten in between like 15 and 18 every single time. Yeah, I've noticed you take him. I think it's just the matter of like nobody knows what the offense is. There's a ton of weapons, which is nice, and they all tend to be in like the receiving room, which is good. Yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of things going for him. I think the uh, concern is he's coming from Jackson State, maybe and. Um, there's just a lot of quarterbacks. Like, there's just a lot of good options to pick from, and he just yeah. tends to be the one on the bottom end. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. But I don't know. I thought I would have to pay more for him, and every draft, I, like, I'm not going out of my way to get him. And he's there. I'm like, all right, let's do this. Like, figure he's play. He's playing in the Sean Lewis Kent State offense. They're gonna throw. They're gonna run a zillion plays. Um, assuming that De- Dion doesn't mind getting his son hurt, he's probably going to run a good amount. You can assume he's athletic. He was super efficient playing at the FCS level, uh, too, right? Like, you look at his stats from Jackson State, it's like insanely efficient from a passing perspective. Who, know- uh, who knows how it stuff translates? The stuff that what I haven't pulled the trigger on, like betting Colorado over wins yet. It's like it's four and a half, I think, and uh, like I think at plus money, but. The opinion that I feel like I see most often about them from people who are down on them relates to the roster strength. And I think it is so, I just think it's so misguided to make assumptions about how their roster will look week one relative to how it stands right now with the portal. They're about to get a bunch more talent. You know, it's going to happen. Like, there, Dion has another window to go, go out and recruit insane guys and get the talent that he's already brought into mesh. Things will only improve for them. And for lots of other teams, things will get worse. Um, yeah. So the guys that leave Colorado are guys that will not, we're not going to play and they're going to yeah. only add good options. And I think he's created such a, a fun buzz that seems pretty legit that players will see it and be like, I'm hitting the portal and I'm strongly considering them. So I, I definitely agree that it's only going to get better for Colorado. One, one of my best friends lives out in Colorado now. I think he's like kind of near Fort Collins, but he he went on the college football trip last year to Uga, Tennessee with us. He's in our league. Um, and he's like, dude, come out. Let's go to like Colorado game this year. I'm like, that sounds fucking amazing. Like, let's do that. Uh, their stadium looks so cool. Too. Yeah, and those schools out west like that, like the especially the mountain time zone, they just have yeah. such awesome like scenery and they just look yeah, yeah, they're not yeah. as big. They're not yeah. as big as the ones on the East Coast, but they they look really cool for sure. Yeah. Oh, and so Shadur is who fucking I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he that's a uh, one. And I think my other guy that I've gotten in every draft, and I, in hindsight, like I'm drafting him way too early, um, is uh, Jonah Pinoke on Hawaii. They're like they're going back to the run and shoot, and he's going to be a starting slot back for them. Like these, I assume. Like, yeah, maybe the offense won't be perfect, but you think he's going to catch six, seven, eight, ten passes. Like, that, all the targets funneled to those guys. 
And just generally speaking, I feel like when we hear run and shoot, we go directly to the slot back and those guys get pushed up drafts a little more than where he's going. I thought he's always looked pretty good when he's gone on the field. Um, this past year, he had to kind of fight his way on initially. When he got on, he looked good. He got hurt, missed a ton of time, came back, produced. The offense was atrocious, but I've seen enough. And now it's, I think that the, like things have only are only improving in terms of the situation, in terms of his role. Yeah, I'll say two things to that. One, the quarterback play, I think, is the concern for everybody. Definitely. But if Clay Millen can make Tory Horton relevant, I don't even know if that's a real sentence. If Tory Horton can be relevant with Clay Millen, there we go, at quarterback, yeah. then why can't a similarly great offensive situation for Panoke, however, however you pronounce it, uh, why can't he be successful to it, at least a certain extent, right? Because – it's not like you're drafting in the top 10 rounds, right? Like you're in the late teens, early 20s, right? Yeah, yeah. He felt like I was taking him around like 18, 19, 20, 21. And then this past draft, I look up and he's still chilling in like 27, 28. I was like, all right, let's fucking I mean, at that point, dude, down. if you're taking a guy in the – like I didn't want to take Jane Daniels. I was like, I need to diversify <laughs> my quarterbacks here a little bit. Like there's others I like that I don't feel like I'm conceding like value here. And then he was still there at 15. So I said, screw it. But like, <clears throat> I think when you, when you're happy with a guy at 15 and he's there at the 23rd round or 28th round, like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you take him? Just yeah. diversify a little bit differently the next time. But awesome. Well, hopefully uh, people didn't get too upset about us talking about people that will never be relevant for CFF again, but uh, excited to put this out to you guys. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll chat soon. See you guys.